The Tapping the Keg Daily Podcast is live for September 12th. We are talking all the angles of the heartbreaking Aaron Rodgers injury. We'll also do the first ever Packers Power Bowl as well as LVPs. We will also do lessons learned from the Green Bay Packers first game of their season. Can try a couple new segments here. And then we'll talk about Brandon Woodruff being a complete dog and wrap up the Milwaukee Brewers big win over the Miami Marlins on Monday and why I felt it was extremely meaningful. Uh, and maybe maybe I'm overreacting to that, uh, but I, it's that time of the year. Uh, before we get going, just a reminder on social, Tepping Keg on Twitter, Tepping Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. We've had a lot on Instagram and TikTok, so make sure that you are tapping in there. Uh, also on Facebook, uh, Reels do show up on Facebook. So if you are not an Instagram person and you want to support the squad in a different way, Facebook is a way to do that. Uh, make sure that you are rating and reviewing if you're already subscribed. If you're not subscribed, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast, we are there. Uh, we would appreciate you know all the support. I realize that maybe sometimes this is redundant, but I appreciate you all. The listens have been great the last few days, uh, really rounding in the form. Uh, glad that we are sort of back in your life. Uh, maybe you took some time off. Maybe you're like, you're talking about the same fucking shit. And I've, I hear it from part of my take. I hear it from Marcillo. I'm not trying to put myself in those categories. Locked on Packers. Uh, we'll localize it. Cheesehead TV. I'm trying to think who else. Uh, locked on Bucks. You know, Locked on has a whole network. So, you know, spin the wheel there, right? But anyways, I uh, appreciate uh, the listens going up. And hopefully they continue uh, today as well as the rest of the week. Let's get into a stunning Monday night with Aaron Rodgers. The New York Jets won this football game. They won it in overtime. They won it on a walk-off punt return. They did not walk it off with any help from Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers was out of this football game after four plays. I was driving home from an errand. I had Kevin Harlan on. I was flipping between the Brewers and the Jets, and Rodgers had taken the field for the first time. Actually, I felt like Kurt Warner ruined Kevin Harlan trying to capture the sound of MetLife Stadium. He ducked in when Kevin Harlan just wasn't talking, and it was a pure pro bar- broadcasting move. But but Kurt Warner had to dive in, which is unfortunate. And you could tell the excitement. You could tell the murmur of MetLife Stadium was certainly there. And as I continue to listen, Harlan points out that Rodgers is hurt. He goes, Rodgers is hurt. Rodgers is hurt. And he's crestfallen. It's almost like he saw a ghost. It's almost like me seeing a tree fall across the street today. True story. Did happen. I'm okay. Don't worry. But it freaked me and my dog out. I will not lie. And anyways, uh, it, it was just so unexpected. And Harlan couldn't believe it. And then saying Rodgers getting carried off, talking about the cart, everything else. And... It felt eerily reminiscent to Kevin Harland broadcasting through the Gordon Hayward injury. As the Celtics get Gordon Hayward, there's all this excitement about what the Celtics have with Gordon Hayward, and he goes down immediately with an injury. And that was the last time that I can remember something like this. And it's not at that magnitude, right? It's Aaron fucking Rodgers. It's arguably the biggest storyline in the NFL to start the season. And Aaron Rodgers is now likely done for the season with an Achilles tear. Uh, we will know officially tomorrow or today, later today from Robert Salah, but they fear an Achilles injury. And that is absolutely brutal. I am so sad about this for Aaron Rodgers. And some people might want to cheer his downfall. I will say if you are cheering his injury, you're you're a piece of shit. 
I will just put that out there 100% and know that, feel that, believe that. Even if you hate Rodgers, you should not be cheering injury. That's bad karma. That's bad vibes. We don't need that for our Brewers. We don't need that for our Green Bay Packers. We don't need that for anything, right? Uh, and I really am saddened on this because this is not how I want a guy I watch football forever to go out. I don't want Aaron Rodgers that hits his last snap as an NFL football player, but I fear it might be. Achilles injuries are a fucking bitch. They are not an injury that you want. You don't want it at 25. You definitely don't want it at 39. As you get older, you know, those things become more more difficult to recover from. And sometimes it's it's not possible. And maybe Rodgers will not want to go out that way. I don't think his ego is going to let him. I don't know if the Jets will say to him, yeah, we're going to run it back with you next year if they make some significant moves. And we'll get to the Jets angle here in a second. But it's it's just not how I wanted it to end. Even if Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl with the Jets, it would take a long time for me to get over that. But I think I would be happy for him at some point. Um, and I, you know, I've watched sort of through the lens of certain Patriots fans online sort of go through this with Tom Brady, right? Where they weren't exactly happy for Brady and the Buccaneers, but now that Brady has come back into the Patriots family, it's sort of it's sort of changing, right? It's sort of a, a different feel. And I feel like that would be the same thing with Aaron Rodgers. And I, I think that there those memories can't be forgotten. And there's not the same bad blood that we have with Favre and he's not joining the Minnesota Vikings. But Aaron Rodgers, you know, leaving the field, you know, carried off, carted off, like that can't be the last of it. It just cannot be. I I, I refuse to believe that. Um, if it is, it's, it's terribly sad because it's this great what if in Aaron Rodgers' career. And God, there are so many of them. And, and there really are. And we've done it before on the show a long time ago. You probably have to dig for that one, you know, but there are always those, you know, the Brandon Bostic play obviously comes to mind. The David Bakhtiari injury where I'm convinced Packers would have won a Super Bowl and everything would have been different. Uh, the multiple times the defense let the Green Bay Packers down in the playoffs um, besides the Bostic play, right? Which is more special teams, but the defense also fell apart in that game as well. Like, there are just so many moments that you look back and you just wonder what if. Also, if Rodgers didn't go hero ball in, you know, 2022 against San Francisco, that's another moment where that Super Bowl was there for the taking and the Packers pissed it away. Or 2021, excuse me. But you get my point. There have been what ifs throughout Rodgers' career. Now, as a longtime quarterback, it's going to happen. I think we could go through Peyton Manning's career, and Peyton Manning would have a ton of what-ifs. I think Dan Marino has a ton of what-ifs. I think, you know, even a guy like Phillip Rivers, who's not at that same level, maybe at that second tier or third tier level, I think that you still will have those what-ifs because they are longtime established players that have went through everything. And this might be the biggest fight that Rodgers has to go through. Uh, I don't expect him to be on Pat McAfee tomorrow. Um, I'd be stunned if he's visiting with McAfee on Tuesday, given the fact he's an, an MRI, the fact that he's going through this injury. I, at some point, I think you'll hear from Rodgers this week, but it's going to be later in the week. And at that point, you know, we'll know maybe at least an initial feel, but it's going to be a will he or won't he throughout the, you know, fall into the winter, into the summer. We're going to do it all over again 
with Aaron Rodgers, but I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay doing that again. And I think it's just the, I don't know if it's the idolization or it's the just watching Rodgers forever that I just don't necessarily want to go, want him to, this to be over. Because even the Favre, when Favre, you know, went down with a concussion in Chicago and he didn't need to be out there and he was risking his life, not life, that's a little intense, but he was in really bad shape. And then when that happened and he was crumbled in a pile in TCF Bank Stadium on a freezing cold night in Minneapolis, that was so fucking sad. And I know Favre is a piece of shit and there's a lot of things that's happened post that. But in that very moment, I was so sad for Brett Favre. Took away the Vikings things because it was like, it had to end with you basically going out in a blaze of glory. And I don't even think this is Aaron Rodgers going out in a blaze of glory. I think it's Aaron Rodgers not necessarily being ready for the turf. And I I mentioned back sometime this summer, I worried about that from a, from a percentage of the 65%, which we'll talk about here in a second. And also the fact that Aaron Rodgers has had some concussion issues. He had seven concussions. And that turf would not be as forgiving. And Aaron Rodgers did not, you know, obviously injuries happened, but he, his foot planted, his cleats weren't ready for it, and he tore his Achilles. And that is just so, so disappointing. And I, I just, I think there was just the fascination of Rodgers and the Jets and how much the Jets were going to be featured as a premier team in the NFL this year. And they have five primetime games. Uh, some of them they can get out of, but some of them they can't. And you're going to deal with the Jets. And I still think the Jets are going to be an exciting team. You know, they nearly got the playoffs with a complete carousel quarterback last year. And I think they can kind of do it again. And Aaron Rodgers will be a great cheerleader. Um, I think he will be supportive. I think he's obviously extremely disappointed. I wondered at one point, is Rodgers going to show up to a Packer game this year? Like, wouldn't that be some shit? They do play the Giants in New York on a Monday night. And Aaron Rodgers just shows up in a booth and he's he's there watching Jordan Love and watching his old team. Like, like how would Packer fans feel about that? I, I think that's a great like question to ask anybody at the water cooler day. Like, how would you feel if Aaron Rodgers just showed up, you know, got kind of like Batman almost, like Gotham, Gotham's hero, just in in the booth watching, you know, the Green Bay Packers and watching the team that he once led and now the new king. Uh, hopefully with Jordan Love, uh, but yeah, it's it's a lot, man. Uh, I am I'm definitely uh, you know disappointed because I, I wanted to see this out. I wanted to see how it went, and even if it went in the Jets' favor, and these cocky Jets fans got to celebrate and got to enjoy what Aaron Rodgers was, I still wanted that because I think that would have made things fun. The Jets Packers Super Bowl storyline, if both teams were seven and one or something like that, would have been great. Would have been so much fun content wise. Like, it's just a shame that this is maybe how it ends. And I really hope it doesn't. I really hope this is not over um, and that we have more coming from Aaron Rodgers because I just can't have him this be that. I, I can't, um, but if it is, I'll remember it forever and I'll talk about, you know, how, how it was. And by the way, as someone pointed out to me in a group chat, Rogers has not thrown 
any passing yards with any other team but the Green Bay Packers. So there is that if he were to retire. Let's talk about the Packers angle. Uh, let's talk about 65%. Uh, 65% is gone. Uh, the Green Bay Packers will have a second round pick from the Jets. Jets fans are probably rejoicing and saying, thank God that we didn't go Denver Broncos level and give them a first round pick. Uh, that is a good thing. I think for the Green Bay Packers, you can still get great value in the second round. Uh, whether the Jets are a playoff team or not a playoff team, the hope is the latter. Uh, you are going to get a good, fo- good football player. And you're going to get somebody that is going to help your team. It also, if you have a pick, let's say it's in the first 10 picks or the first 15 picks. So, uh, you know, you can move up with that and get into the second round or first round, excuse me. And so like that's on the table for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the fact that the Packers are going to have that opportunity is still a, a benefit to them. And it's still something that is going to help them out next season. Uh, we don't know how the draft will shake up. We don't know what the record of Green Bay will be, but it's still going to be something that will help the Packers. And I think that that can't be lost on people. I know that people are disappointed. I know that people are upset about the 65% because yes, there is a real world example where if the Jets gave that first round pick overall, they would have potentially been looking at trading a top 10 pick or a top 15 pick to the Green Bay Packers. I think with Aaron Rodgers' age and the fact that Aaron Rodgers wanted to play for one team, they were never getting that first round pick. And I think the Jets also were concerned about injuries. They were concerned of this. This is a get out of jail free card for the New York Jets. And they have it. And so now the Packers have to assume they're going to have two second round picks and they're going to have their first round pick and that should define their scouting. You can take another angle of this and say it might make scouting a little bit easier. That Green Bay knows, all right, we're going to have, what is that, three day day three pick, day two picks, and we're going to have one day one pick. And if there are guys that we need to move up for day one and we need our board to be a certain way, then we know. But it, it kind of helps you prepare a little bit for scouting as you're just getting into the mix. And you're just starting to keep your eyes on guys, you know, for the 2024 draft. So, I don't exactly think that this is anything to worry about from a Packer fan perspective. I understand the hope for 65, but if Aaron Rodgers had played 65 games and the and the Jets defense, you know, looked like they did tonight, is that really going to be higher than a top, you know, 20 to 29 pick? Like probably best case scenario that year that's pick 20, but probably worst case it's 32. Like there that there's a real world, right? Like the Jets defense was awesome tonight. The Jets defense was just absolute killers. Made Josh Allen's life complete hell. Uh, I was so impressed with that defense. And I, I just don't think that first round pick would have been a, entirely a lot of value. And it's probably a good chance that that Jets pick would have been after the Packers pick. And so I, I know that everybody's like, well, Gutekind should have got for that first round pick. He should have dug his feet in. Well, I think they might have traded for Matt Stafford. And I don't think Matt Stafford would have even cost a conditional first round pick. So I think the Packers did what they had to do to get Rodgers off the team and to his desired destination. And that's why it happened. So I am not looking back at like, God, he should have kept the first round pick uh, because, or should have got the first round pick because I I just think it's unrealistic. I don't think that was something that was in the cards. So don't worry about that. And just to understand, you got two second round picks. And unless, 
the New York Jets want to get Frisky. And that, to me, is the biggest thing that could sway things. So as mentioned, the Jets defense looked very good in this game. Uh, the Jets are 1-0. Uh, they pulled one out of their ass. They now go to Dallas uh, and face a very tough pass rush with a awful offensive line. That line is going to spike. I think it started at three. I wouldn't be surprised if that's around seven or eight uh, by game time. And I actually would endorse it. Uh, I know that that's a little bit of an overreaction, but I, I do think that that Cowboys defense is really, really good. And that's something that we obviously have to pay attention to as Packer fans. Uh, but I, I do think the Jets are going to try to win. I don't think that the Jets are going to just be satisfied with a 7-10 and 10 season or an 8-9 year because the Jets have not made the playoffs in 13 years. They had the longest NFL drop. They pushed chips in for Aaron Rodgers. And because Aaron Rodgers is there, they're suddenly going to take their chips and go home and just take what's ever given to them and take another chance on Zach Wilson? I don't think so. Uh, they, I think Nathan Hackett did a pretty good job with Zach Wilson. I thought he managed the game well, but I just don't see that in the cards. And I do think that they are going to make some sort of move for a quarterback. Which quarterback that is, I do not know. And where that becomes interesting is the fact that the Green Bay Packers will have to sign off on it. If they want to give up their first round pick to a team, they are going to have to ask the Green Bay Packers. And the Green Bay Packers are likely going to tell them, yeah, take your first round pick, but we want more. We want a third round pick or we want a fourth round pick or we want a second round pick in next year's draft. They are they will bend them over and the Jets are desperate, and they know the Jets are desperate. So they're going to make the Jets work for that additional compensation. And then if the first-round pick is officially let go of, then the Jets can make a move for a quarterback. The question is, what quarterback would that be? What quarterback are we looking at that's like, all right, yeah, this this is the this is the guy that will will get the job. I think. It's obviously way too early to tell. I, I saw some Jameis Winston stuff. I think the Jameis Winston thing is definitely on the table. Uh, could certainly be a guy that I think gets gets mentioned overall. But if we're thinking about other teams that might trade the Jets a quarterback, you obviously have to look at the NFC. I don't think any AFC teams are trading. Maybe a team like the Texans might trade a Davis Mills, right? Who had some talent, but what's the is that's sort of the Spider-Man meme is Zach Zach Wilson. That's just the long neck Zach Wilson, right? Uh, but if you go in the NFC, right, you Cowboys don't really have much. I doubt Trey Lance would be of interest. Giants no, Eagles no. I mean, maybe Mariota, but Mariota was pretty trash last year. Commanders, who's, I don't know who's even backing up uh, Sam Howell right now. Uh, so that's a bad on me. Um, Minnesota Vikings are, I think, the real interesting team. Because the Vikings, it's Jacoby Brissett. Uh, it's kind of interesting, right? Jacoby Brissett, you know, is kind of good enough for government work. Um, that could be a guy that, but again, is that so much, why wouldn't you just go with Zach Wilson and see what you got? Uh, I think the Vikings, though, are the ones to keep an eye on. Because if the Vikings aren't that good, and the Vikings sort of stumble out of the gates, they play the Eagles you know, here on a Thursday night, and that is not going to be an easy game for the Minnesota Vikings. They always seem to get crushed by Philadelphia. And then they go home to Los Angeles, and then the Chargers, that is, and then Carolina, and then home for Kansas City. That... 
Like, best case scenario, that's two and three, but the Chargers have a really tough game against Tennessee on the road, so maybe it's a battle of 0-2 teams, and that's just, it's kind of a desperation spot. It's not easy for the Minnesota Vikings. So that leads me to wonder, all right, will they try to deal Kirk Cousins and try to tank for Caleb Williams, which has been my nightmare uh, for the back half of the summer into the start of the year, especially now when Florida was like, well, maybe they'll trade Justin Jefferson. Now, if they just do a fire sale for both guys, Kirk Cousins is an obvious pick for the Jets. Do they need their first rounder? I, see, here's the thing. I don't think they do. I think they could get by with the second, but the Packers have the second and there's no way they're gonna give the Packers the first round pick just so they can trade for the second for Kirk Cousins. That would make no fucking sense at all. So they're probably gonna have to overpay for a guy like Kirk Cousins or anybody else that they want at that top tier level. Ryan Tannehill, I guess, could be another guy, but he was awful, guys. Like he was really, really bad. Maybe the Stafford conversation, but look, the Rams won their first game. And the Rams definitely, you know, had, you know, looked much better than I think any of us expected. And so it's hard right now to be like, oh yeah, they're, the Rams are gonna tank and they're gonna want Caleb Williams. Like, we don't know that. And so I, I think you have to at least wonder on Stafford, maybe that's another guy that, that gets mentioned and gets brought over. Uh, but that there there isn't a ton. Uh, and yeah, things could change, right? If Bucks suck, but Baker Mayfield's good. Maybe it's Baker Mayfield. If the Raiders aren't good, maybe Jimmy G becomes available. I don't know. Uh, there could be more names. I think the Tom Brady stuff will be awful. Uh, everybody's going to get their takes off today. Um, everyone's going to advocate for Tom Brady or Phil Rivers or these guys who are retired. Matt Ryan, I saw, got mentioned. Like, have you watched? Did you watch fucking Matt Ryan in Indianapolis? He was terrible. Okay, so. I think it was SVP, who I love, so maybe I shouldn't be that critical, but like, come on, Matt Ryan, like, give give it give it a rest. I know he was good with the media, but like, let's let's settle down on the on the national Casey McGee over here. Uh, anyways, I just know that the Packers have a huge card to play, and and maybe the Jets go right away and say, hey, we're we're ready to you know give you more compensation. I think that they'll wait. I think they want to see what their team they have. If they struggle, I think they'll just say, all right, well, we'll start selling off our pieces instead. We'll get some that capital back, right? And continue to build around this young team and try to get a quarterback next year. Because it's a quarterback-related draft, right? Whether it's Drake May and Caleb Williams at the top or Jordan Travis or Bo Nix or Tyler Van Dyke from Miami. I think Shadur Sanders is available. I think I said that also on yesterday's pod and didn't look it up. Probably should. Uh, when I bring him up, uh, because yeah, there there are going to be a lot of names that are potentially flowing around for for the Jets to draft quarterback wise. So it, it, that could also be a angle for for the Jets. So we'll see how it all transpires, but it, it's definitely not the Monday that I expected. Uh, I I did not see this coming. I think I saw my guy Chris Lemps say like. In a million situations, I couldn't see Rodgers tearing his ACL or his Achilles. And I was like, yeah, same. He's never really had a ton of leg problems, right? He's had like calf and ankle shit throughout. He gets stepped on or something like that. And and maybe a little bit here and there, but nothing, you know, serious, nothing to keep him out of games. And then it's the Achilles, man. It's just wild. And we'll we'll just see how it all all shakes out. 
Uh, it's definitely the greatest unknown. Uh, and there's a long way to go. I feel very bad for Jets fans. I do. Uh, I, I feel like they, you have to think of them as maybe the most tortured. They just seem to never, ever catch a break. They always seem to end up stepping on the rake. And unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers stepped on one too uh, as he started his career as a New York Jets quarterback. All right, let's move back to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, we talked, obviously, all about Monday night. Let's move back to Green Bay Packers. I have a couple different segments here. Uh, I'm going to probably have you vote for this on Instagram to see what you guys like better. Uh, I don't know if I'll do both every Tuesday, but I, I was trying to just think of ideas to kind of talk through, you know, the, the season as a whole, right? So week one, week two, this this might not might seem a little redundant, uh, might seem similar to what we were talking about on Monday. But I, I think as the year goes on, this will actually get more fun. And I think you guys will will enjoy it. So I'm going to do both. Um, I'll put a voting option up. You let me know what you like better. And either if you like one better or if you like both, uh, we'll keep it on. We'll see. Um, you guys obviously dug the long pod last week or yesterday. So that makes me think, okay, maybe maybe we need to start extending these out to you know 50 minutes or an hour. Uh, instead of it just being, you know, 40 minutes usually or 45, I think is what I average on and you most most podcasts. Okay, so the Packers power poll. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to identify who is the offensive MVP and the defensive MVP for the Green Bay Packers. We are going to try not to use a ton of pro football focused stuff, although we'll see it from time to time and we'll see other people's grades and we'll see other people's commentary on these guys. Like we're not blind to it. But we're going to at least try to kind of give our own thoughts on where these guys stand. We're also going to do an LVP. uh, And that one will not be offense or defense or special team specific. Uh, That will just be overall. Um, And it's going to be all players. um, Unless we feel like the coaches have, and I'm doing a lot of Royal Weeds, so I apologize. Unless I feel like the coaches are playing a direct impact into what's going on. You know, Joe Barry certainly could win LVP, right? Uh, The jury is still out uh, about Big Joe. So let's start and let's open up the power poll where the AP has everybody uh, on offense as well as defense. So for offense, Jordan Love is the number one. Jordan Love gets the number one spot. I I think the way he played, how composed he looked, how ready he looked for the moment, how everybody had his back when he got the game ball and the pictures after the game and the tweets after the game. I think everything tells you that this guy is the leader of this team and he is a leader of men. That's a term that gets overused and big time cliche, but I'm gonna use it here for Jordan Love. And that guy, with the way he played and the way he has that locker room, I think that Jordan Love has to be the number one guy here. Number two is Aaron Jones. Uh, Aaron Jones was just a complete spark plug for the offense. He's been the same Aaron Jones that we've seen for a few years now, right? This is not anything new from Aaron Jones, uh, but his ability to sort of break open the game in the second half can't be forgotten. And just a complete, a very vital part to what the Packers are doing. Uh, I think while it's going to matter what Jordan Love does, I think it's all about Aaron Jones. Like I think the entire offense is predicated on Aaron Jones. Now I worry a little bit about his fragility. He's had some injuries in the past. Uh, I don't think the guy can be Derrick Henry. So you have to figure out ways to load manage him. But I, I still think that you can load manage and not forget about him, right? You can have him take a couple 
couple possessions off, but make sure Aaron Jones is still getting the ball. Or get Aaron Jones the ball early, then sort of sag off late, then early again. You know, make sure that teams understand what Aaron Jones can do. And so that guy is definitely our number two. Our number three is David Bakhtiari. I was uncertain on Bakhtiari not practicing. Bakhtiari said practicing isn't for everybody. Said that, you know, he can do things without necessarily practicing. And sure enough, David Bakhtiari was the fucking man. Uh, he played really well. Uh, and it, it just was impressive to see that he didn't miss a beat. Uh, complete savant out there. I, I have to have to tip my cap uh, because that, that was an impressive effort. I mean, the, the whole offensive line could get that spot in the power pool, but you have to give it to one player, and I'm going to give it to the leader of that, and it was Bakhtiari. Uh, kept the Bears completely silent in terms of pass rush. Uh, there wasn't wasn't much of anything uh, from box left side. So yeah, Bakhtiari gets that number three spot. Number four to Romeo Dobbs. Romeo Dobbs, man, I was impressed with him as well. You know, a guy who's battling with a hamstring injury. I thought for a while it would be Dobbs that would miss this game, not Christian Watson. Watson obviously came as a surprise. It sounds like there is an opportunity. He might be able to play in the Falcons game, but Dobbs had four catches for 26 yards. I realize the stats aren't great, but he had two touchdowns. And to me, that's the, that's the part that stands out, right? He already has that connection with Jordan Love. And we saw some of that in the preseason. We heard about it in OTAs, and you're seeing it now on the field. And that can't be understated. We saw it with Jordan Nelson and Aaron Rodgers. We saw it with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. When those connections are there, those guys always seem to find the ball, and they always seem to be open. Uh, and they have that chemistry, and it's real. And so I put Dobbs there because I felt like he'd, he made a huge impact with the catches he made you know, for the first touchdown and then the Moss uh, later in the game. That was a, another huge moment for this team. So I, I think Dobbs deserves credit. Number five is Jaden Reed. Reed. I, I also kind of talked a little bit about it yesterday that Jaden Reed, I felt like, impacted this game, even though he, the stat sheet might not show it. I felt like it was a much better game for Jaden Reed, you know, sans stat sheet, and that he just he looks like a dynamic player for Green Bay out of the slot. He is a pure slot receiver. Uh, Green Bay really hasn't had that since prime Randall Cobb, uh, and that that's another huge wrinkle of what the Packers can do. Like the slant route you saw with Aaron Jones, I guarantee you they're going to try that with Jaden Reed at some point. I don't know when, but that's going to be tried. And so I think the sky's the limit for Jaden Reed. And I'm not telling you to go take his offensive rookie of the year odds. You might. That would be a super big flyer. I still think you would get great odds on that. It's usually a quarterback driven thing. But yeah, Jaden Reed is definitely, not only is he a part of the offense, I think he's going to be a productive part of the offense. And he was, you know, in that first game. All right, for defense, for the power pole, it's a shocker at the top of the power pole. People are stunned that this guy is at the top. Uh, people don't usually see him here, but Devontae Wyatt. Look, Devontae Wyatt had the best game of anybody on defense. Devontae Wyatt was an absolute freak out there. He was the guy that the Packers drafted. He was really starting to get it. He had one and a half sacks. He was everywhere. He is, he's going to be a problem next week, even with Atlanta's run defense. Uh, I was extremely impressed with Devontae Wyatt. Number two goes to Darnell Savage. Yes, we are continuing the shocking power pull of this. Look, Darnell Savage, 10 tackles. Uh, he was extremely aggressive. He was playing around the line of scrimmage. He seemed to not be thinking 
out there. And I, I mean that in the best way possible. Because I felt like too many times Savage was like, all right, do I do this? Do I do that? And Savage was just balling. Savage was just a heat-seeking missile out there. And that's what the type we want. And so to see this from Darnold Savage to start the year is very encouraging for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, number three, uh, Anders Carlson. Look, his 52-yard bomb could have went 70. Aaron Nagler noted that yet today or yesterday. And I, I completely agree. I mean, to see what he might be able to do in the Dome uh, this week could be special. But the fact he went five for five, the fact he made a 52-yard field goal, we had no drama with Andrews Carlson is a huge, huge thing for Green Bay. And is that going to be every game? No. He's a rookie kicker. There are going to be moments where he struggles. But he looked automatic at least week one, and maybe Pitt Boss Fresh was right again. Number four to Quay Walker. Quay Walker's interception return sealed everything. You have to put him in the power pole. You can't forget Quay Walker and the interception return he had where he pinballed off Roshan Johnson. Now, hopefully he's okay with the concussion, but that's that's what you, you need from Quay Walker. He's he's made some real he made some really nice plays in the first game, first game, you know, for this season. And he's working on his meditating. He's kind of calming himself down a little bit. Jair Alexander has helped him out with that and sort of just not necessarily being as emotional of a football player and letting the game sort of come to him. And that's really great. And I think that Quay Walker can, you know, be on the up and up. Like this, this might not be where Quay Walker finishes in the power pool. Number five is Rashawn Gary. Uh, I have to include Rashawn Gary, even though he only played 10 passing downs, he had eight pressures in those 10 passing downs. That's fucking absurd. Rashawn Gary was an absolute freak. Um, I don't know when we're going to get full Rashawn Gary, but when we do, pray for the rest of the league. I will tell you that right now. Uh, and would not surprise me if he finds himself near the top of this power pool uh, and when it's all said and done. But yeah, I, I have to include him at least to start um, because he was very impressive week one. LVP so far, uh, we won't talk about these guys in detail. Uh, AJ Dillon, 13 for 19, or 13 for 19 is good for a passer, right? Uh, that's what A.J. Dillon was on the ground. Th 13 carries, 19 yards. Not great. Sean Nixon seemed to be out of his element at the slot position. Josh Myers continued to kind of struggle. And I don't exactly get the Josh Myers thing. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know why we're continuing to make Josh Myers happen. Uh, maybe Jordan Love's comfortable with him back there. But yeah, there was some shaky stuff from Josh Myers. So that's our Packers power pull for the week number one. Uh, we will have it again for week number two. But week number two will be fun because we won't do an individual game. We'll combine what we have from game one with game two, bring it together. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Lessons learned uh, before we move on to the Milwaukee Brewers from the Green Bay Packers in week one as we put a bow on it. Packers offense needs to be a little more relaxed to begin the game and keep the focus with Aaron Jones. I want to start with the first part and just say the Packers need to not be high poopy. Now you're wondering, Charlie, what's high poopy? Uh, I, I, I can't remember with my guy Cap or my guy Chance who created it, uh, but basically it means being nervous. We can't have anybody being high poopy, okay? Like that's number one. Uh, and there was a little too much high poopy early on for the Green Bay Packers. Let's just call it how it is. And they need to just settle down and they just need to play within themselves, play like they did in the second half. I hope that it's a blip on the radar, but you know, we talked about this with the batter, right? Last week, we're like, okay, 
They started slow. Ah, not a big deal. Growing pains, yada, yada, yada. Then what do they do? Started slow and got waxed by Washington State. So I have to at least acknowledge it and say, you got to just relax here. And if they relax, it's going to lead to success, such as with Aaron Jones. And we've talked a lot about Aaron Jones the last two days. You just need to keep him as the focus. He is the guy. Uh, as the kids would say, he's him. And Aaron Jones needs to be a the focal point of what Green Bay is doing and just keep making sure that he's getting involved. I understand you don't want him, you know, 30 or 40 carries a game, but at least make sure he's touching the ball 20 times. That should be the ultimate goal for the Green Bay Packers. Number two, the Packers weren't, weren't lying about their defense being different. We heard from Kenny Clark. We're like, all right, man, we'll believe it when we see it. And granted some bears and granted their defense or their offense is not anything to write home about. But this was very interesting from Dane Carragher. New wrinkle for the Packers defense. The Packers called seven rushing stunts per game last season. They used 28 stunts against the Bears yesterday. So you tweeted this Monday. Most in the NFL by a wide margin. So what are stunts, you ask? Stunts are basically when you have two defenders and one defender swings around the other one. So And they replace the spot that they were in. So when it works out, the the first guy is engaging the second guy's lineman, and he's then the other one's coming around to absolutely clean clean that lineman's clock. Will this work the entire season? I don't know. Teams are going to figure this out. Teams are going to run things like a trap. You don't see a lot of traps uh, in terms of running games. Arthur Smith might do a trap next week, uh, which basically is to stop a stop. And so. It'll be interesting to see if this is something Green Bay continues to do, if Green Bay gets different with their stunts. Uh, if this is a thing that happens for the rest of the year, I think we have to come up with stunting like I'm Joe Barry t-shirts. Like that, that is a genius content idea. Uh, I'm trademarking it. There's so much fucking Packers uh, apparel, but like stunting like I'm Joe Barry is, is definitely there. Um, and with the little Wayne angle, uh, even though a little Wayne fake Packer fan, he quit on the season after the Lions game. So can't forget that about little Wayne. Like I, I just can't, I can't let it go. He, he quit on the team. Like I, I just can't have that. I can't have that in my locker room. So yes, uh, the Packers are stunting. Uh, their defense does look different. It is a massive test this week. I've mentioned that a couple times already. I, I just, I worry a lot about that, that Falcons run defense or worry about that run defense against the Falcons. If they keep B. John Robinson and Tyler Algier at bay, totally different conversation we're having next Monday. Mondays will somehow be more excited. Somehow I will be more excited on Monday, which I feel like it's hard to do. Uh, I also have to decide if I want to go to my in-laws house for the game because my my grandmother-in-law, I guess, is making ribs. I love ribs. Uh, We're one and all at the house. I am going, I will be there for Thanksgiving. So I, I at least may, I might need to suss out the juju of the house that obviously, you know, takes up my schedule, my preparation in the morning. Like all of that goes a lot quicker because we gotta be at the house, which I don't like. Um, that that part is, you know, kind of on, I'm on a little bit of edge, I'm on a little bit of tilt there. Uh, but I definitely, you know, hope that, I probably have to. Uh, but that's maybe another, maybe that's a conversation for Mitch um, and my superstitions. Uh, so we'll, we'll see there. 
Last lesson learned. I actually, I'm going to move to the NFL for this one. More of a general one thing that I felt like is the biggest lesson. I wouldn't believe the hype yet about the NFC. Uh, the NFC is very top heavy right now. They are a Paige Sporanic. They're a Lindsey Payless. Like that's what that's what they are right now. They are just a big titted Instagram model. And those teams are San Francisco, Philadelphia, and Dallas. I wasn't that impressed with Philadelphia, but they have dudes all over that fucking football field. And it seems like they're going to be able to beat the Super Bowl hangover allegations, at least early on in the season. I don't know if it'll be the entire year, but I think to start this season, they are. And I think part of it is Jalen Hurts and the way he carries himself and the way the offense you know, kind of runs and the way Nick Sirianni manages games. Like They just have a awesome football team and Howie Roseman I think I've sung his praises in the past but after that I don't know what you have with the NFC and that's why I still think the Brewers can get in or Brewers the Packers sorry I'm ready to go talk Brewers Packers can get in you know with nine wins I think that's still on the table for them and I don't think they have to win the division they can get nine wins and get in the playoffs now would they have to face one of those top heavy teams yeah that that would be great but I, I think that the Green, the Green Bay Packers are going to be just fine. I don't think that suddenly the NFC is better. Did the NFC look more prepared for week one? Yeah. Can this change? Yes. I think when the cream rises to the top and we're in November, I think we're talking about the AFC. But I might have been slightly wrong that the, the NFC was the Eastern Conference of the NBA. That was maybe a flawed argument of mine. And when I say that, I mean like mid-2000s. Not right now. Because obviously Giannis isn't there. And I, I would not besmirch the good name of Giannis. We'll talk some basketball with Mitchie uh, later this week, by the way. So we're going to kind of do a Bucks catch-up uh, later this week. So stay tuned for that. All right, let's move on and wrap up today's show with the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers faced off against Miami Marlins on Monday night. I told you guys on yesterday's show that I was a little bit nervous about the series. I was nervous about even this game against Jesus Lazardo. Jesus Lazardo has been pitching pretty damn well. Uh, and I thought that they were going to kind of be in for it, right? You have a 13-8 game that is absolutely demoralizing. You could say, all right, Charlie, it's 162. It's, you know, it, 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 every game's different, right? It's water off duck. But some losses stick with you a little bit longer, just like some wins stick with you. Sometimes you can ride the wave of one win to multiple other wins, Right. And the same can happen with losses where you lose one and then all of a sudden shit's not going right for game number two. And then all of a sudden game number three, the starting pitcher doesn't have it. And all of a sudden the bullpen doesn't have it in game number four. And then you lost four straight games. And we talked about how the, with the Cubs facing the Rockies, who might be the worst team in baseball right now. I know it's not record-wise, but I think the Rockies are the worst. And they need to keep winning baseball games because that's the only way they're going to stay with the Cubs. And that proved be true today because the Cubs won 5-4. The Milwaukee Brewers turned around and absolutely bashed Jesus Lazardo's skull in. Uh, they were all over him from the start of this baseball game till really the end of it. The Brewers had 11 runs in six innings. The Brewers finished with 17, run, 17 hits overall, 12 runs overall, and absolutely annihilated two left-handers in Lazardo and Daniel Castano. That to me is just massive. That says so much about this baseball team. This offense has been pretty darn good. Uh, this second half offense has been just 
a sneaky wagon. I think there was a stat. I forget what Kurt had, Kurt Hogg, a beat writer of the Brewers, where Brewers had like 13 of their last 19 games where they had six or more runs. I can't remember if tweeted that out on Friday or Saturday of the Yankees game, but it's grown, right? The Brewers put up, you know, eight runs against the Yankees on Saturday, and now they put up 12 runs against the Marlins. They had one bad game, and it was facing Garrett Cole, and then the Brewers just went off again. And they now have an offense that is built to face left-handers. Mark Hanna, two hits. He had a home run. Uh, William Contreras had two hits. Uh, William Davis had three hits. He also had three extra base hits and four RBIs. Uh, Monasterio, two hits. Tyrone Taylor, three hits and a and run driven in. Tyrone Taylor continues to kind of be a guy. Sal Freelich with two hits against the lefty. Like, all of this is what you hope for. And now the Brewers being able to hit left-handers makes them much more difficult. All of a sudden, it's not a check the box for the other team because the left-handers on the mound. Lazardo struggled from jump street. He did not have it. They were patient against lefties. They took care of business. They had they drove in actually seven and nineteen with runners in scoring position. They had nineteen runners in scoring position, which is wild. Just shows you how productive this Brewers offense was this entire game. Even Josh Donaldson got involved, who got called up. And he had some nice plays defensively uh, early in this game, and you, which you love to see. And then here's Brandon Woodruff. And Brandon Woodruff is a complete dog. Uh, I love Brandon Woodruff. I'd go to war for Brandon Woodruff. He has been such a good pitcher for the Brewers in these big moments. And you're like, Charlie, it's a Monday night game. Why is this a big moment? There's only 21,000 in the stands. Well, you had a bullpen that was completely wasted, right? You've used a ton of your bullpen the last three games. You haven't, you know, it was not necessarily a bullpen-friendly weekend. And you have Brandon Woodruff come out there and look like the ace that he is. And complete game shutout for Woodruff, seven strikeouts. I don't, did he, did he have a walk? He had one walk in the game, six hits overall. He's now down to a 1.93 ERA for the season. Man, that just... That, that's exactly what the Brewers needed because now their bullpen is completely reset. Now Craig Council can play with the, his bullpen. Hopefully there won't be you know a ton of games where you're going to need three or four guys and it's just going to be one or two each night and you can kind of continue to manage it as you don't have a day off for two weeks, which is wild in its own right. But it's been truly impressive. Here's another, here's another stat from Mike Fasalo uh, about Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff is now 15-13 with a 2-2-4 ERA in his last 30 starts, dating back to last season. 180 innings pitched, 45 walks, 215 Ks. T- batters are batting under 200 at 191. 20 of those starts were quality. Woodruff in September has not allowed a run yet. 16 innings, 8 hits. Three walks, 13 strikeouts, batters hitting 148 against him. Also, mind you, that fact that Corbin Burns national was the player, the pitcher of the month for July. Freddie was for August. Woodruff starting to make a case for September. It's it these are the nights where you believe a little bit more in the Milwaukee Brewers. And it's a dangerous thing because it just pulls you closer and closer to saying, hey, can this team make a long run? And I think the fact that they can bounce back so quickly, that they have this resolve about him, 
that I don't remember the Brewers having in a long time, even in 2018, right? And this is such a young team, and I wonder if it's like they just don't know better. Like they just, it's just like, all right, fuck it. We lost, okay, no big deal, whatever. Uh, we'll win again, we'll win tomorrow, uh, we'll show you. Or it's something else. It's the makeup of the team or it's the way that the leaders of the clubhouse are preaching. I, I don't know. And it's really, but that's the type of stuff that wins the postseason. Because guess what? You have bad loss. You don't let it stick with you. You say, all right, next night, go out and get them. You're not going to win every game. You're not going to go undefeated in the postseason. That's just impossible. All right? Like that's just not going to happen. But you still can have those, that the chance to be great. And I, I think that they are looking more and more like a team that can compete with the, Do the Dodgers and Braves. And I know what you'll say. All right, well, they struggled in the regular season against both those teams. How can you say that? Well, they faced Freddie Peralta before he fixed himself, number one. And they only faced Freddie Peralta. All they faced Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns. That's it. And what, they played like eight or seven or eight games against both. So like 15 games, you only saw Burns and Peralta once. Out of those, so two out of 15. Just think about that for a second. Wrap your brain. Neither team saw Brandon Woodruff. Frank Peralta was not seen by the Dodgers. The Dodgers have their own problems. They can't pitch. They gave, they, you know, they're in a dogfight with San Diego. I think they, did they win or lose? That kind of would depend on some of my happiness here. Let's see what we got. They lost 11 to 8. So you have 11 runs to the Dodgers. They also blew a, Three, a four-run lead that was seven to three for them, and they blew that. Um, so, man, like, are, are we really sure the Dodgers can outslug everybody in October? I know that I have some followers on Twitter that are like, we need to be hitting more home runs. Maybe, but maybe it's different. You know, maybe the game's changed. But I, I really do think uh, that the Brewers can do this, man. I, I feel I'm feeling a lot better about this team. And every day, every day, there's a little bit more where I'm like, all right, I am really going to set myself up for a stressful October. Uh, and I'm ready for it. And I'm here for it. So great win for the crew. Uh, hopefully they can keep it up uh, tomorrow. Bullpen game for Miami, which I feel like the Brewers never pitch, play well in bullpen games, uh, which we saw on display last Wednesday against the Pirates. Uh, but let's maybe, maybe it's different. You know, they've, they've also been really good at home. Uh, that's another thing that's kind of, again, sneaky sort of part of this Brewer story is the Brewers continue to win baseball games at home and more reason to support them. I'm going Saturday myself uh, and I had offer from Wednesday and I was like, I can't leave Mitch, you know, and I, my wife also, you know, is going Saturday. So it wasn't an impromptu date and opportunity. Brewers are 41 and 28 at home. So I know the kids are back at school. I know football's going on, but... It's worth checking out the Brewers if you can, uh, because they are they're putting it on at, at home. That does it for today's show. We are off tomorrow, uh, unless something crazy happens, but likely won't. Uh, and then we'll be back Thursday with Mitch, uh, and we'll talk Packers. We'll talk some Bucks. We'll talk some Brewers. Uh, probably no Badgers, uh, because unless something changes, you know, kind of the Badgers are where we were last week, so. We have that, and then we'll have me back at Solo on Friday with the betting show, uh, week number two. We're going to tweak it slightly. I'm forcing myself to make picks, um, even if... See, here's the thing. I, I don't want to bet against my team. 
So I don't want to say like, and even though I'm not a huge Badger backer, I like them. They're fine. Um, and I, I don't want to be like, all right, yeah, take Washington State. I, I Maybe we, we do something like, if you're a Marquette fan, would you bet against the Badgers? Or something along those lines. I don't know. Uh, but we, we'll, have, we'll have to figure that out. Uh, because that's feels like it's kind of like a a fallacy. But I also don't want to set you on the wrong way. So like, was that a smart pick? I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out. Uh, I, I hate when I workshop on the pod. All right, I'm going to go. Take care of yourself. Have a good one. Back with Mitch tomorrow. And we'll, or on, when, on Thursday, excuse me. And we'll see you then. All right, take care. Bye.